0: All episodes of It's Great Business reflect the views and opinions of Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group and its guests, and do not reflect the official policy or guidance of employers or government entities.
1: You're listening to It's Great Business, sponsored by Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group, where great business equals great people. Welcome to another episode of It's Great Business, and I'm Janice Berg-Levy. Today, I have with me Kevin Sheets. Kevin is the CEO and co-founder of Powerlytics. After a successful career in corporate world, he started a company in 2011, leveraging big data and predictive analytics in the financial services space, and now his company serves top five banks, insurance carriers, and wealth and asset management firms, among many others. He's also a big believer in giving back, having spent 25 years volunteering in leadership roles in a number of nonprofits. Welcome, Kevin.
0: Thank you, Janice. Happy to be here.
1: Um, so super excited to talk a little bit more about what you're up to and learn a little bit more about you, your career, and certainly what's going on in the world of PowerLytics. So, with that, why don't you tell me a little bit about know, really a little more about who you are. We obviously uh, covered your bio, but um, tell me about you.
0: I've kind of always been someone that's been highly self-motivated, you know, and, and really look to not just what's in it for me, but how can I go about and, and whatever I'm doing, is it going to benefit anybody else? And that could be in any any way, shape or form. It could just be listening, right? Uh, could be giving advice, but really no matter what what I'm doing, just trying to figure out Um, how that can benefit somebody else doesn't have to be, you know, solving world hunger, it could just be making someone's day a little bit better. So that's kind of the thing that makes me tick the most is, you know, what can I do to really help someone else regardless of what it is that I'm trying to, you know, get done.
1: Nice, nice. So that sort of gets to a little bit around your purpose, and your passion. So from that, how did you really end up, you know, going from the security of the corporate world to doing your own thing?
0: Yeah, the security of the corporate world is good. But at some point I kind of thought, you know, I wanted to, I I enjoy building things. I like creating, developing. And I got to do a lot of that in the corporate world. But at some point, you kind of want to do it on your own and see what you can do. And there comes a point in time where if you continue to play it safe, you're not going to have that opportunity. So I, I got to that stage of life where I just thought. But I don't take a jump now and take a risk, I'm going to be, you know, 80 looking back and saying, gee, I wish I would have tried that. And I didn't mm-hmm. want to be in that position. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. We have a lot of our listeners are, they're in various stages of career, you know? So if you think back from, you know, when you were first starting out to those that are sort of in the middle, and then those are at that, that other juncture where they've got a lot of uh, history and, and experiences, but they still have a lot more to give. You talked about, you know, not wanting to look back when you think about where you are now and, you know, kind of your own personal career journey, what were you thinking about when you first finished and in school and and what did you study?
0: So I studied accounting in school and, and the reason when I started school, I didn't really know. I knew I wanted to go into business, but I didn't know in what area Mm -hmm. I had a entry-level accounting course at a great professor. And I kind of figured out if I understood the underpinnings of the financials of a business with that background, I could kind of go into any area. Mm. And so I started in that. And then, you know, my thought process was, you know, if I go into a big accounting firm, one of the global accounting firms back then it was the big eight. Now it's I guess the big four (laughs) Mm -hmm, um, that would give me an opportunity to see a lot of different businesses. And then from there decide, you know, what I like to do because I really had no idea so i wanted to i wanted to go into a place where there'd be a lot of different opportunities so i could kind of see things and then learn and go from there
1: yeah i mean it it is a solid background but uh, i think that that leaping off is always something that a lot of people who are listening go like ooh i don't know you know i've got a mortgage i've got all these other responsibilities the further along we go in the career so I mean, did you have a support network? I mean, how did you really just, you know, I I always call it jumping off the cliff, but how did you decide, you know, like ultimately you had it inside of you, but how do people, you know, really take that leap?
0: It's almost like the Nike saying you just do it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, if you can get into, I mean, you want to think through it, but you can get into analysis paralysis Mm -hmm. and, at some point, you just have to say, there's going to be unknowns, you're not going to know everything, you're not going to have to have everything planned out, there's no way. And by the way, if you do plan everything out, guess what, it's going to change completely. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm Because when I jumped, it didn't go like I thought it was going to go for quite some time. Mm. Um, and, And so you have to be willing to persevere. You know, when you go from kind of being a partner at a KPMG or you know, a senior executive at a, at a large, you know, fortune 500 company with both paths to my career, you have some income stability. And now all of a sudden that's ripped out and you've got to figure out, okay, I've got to be willing to cut back. Um, I've got to be willing to make changes in my life. Maybe ask my kids to make some changes. Mm. Um, so there's, there's risk involved there. And there's also, you know, lifestyle change. Did
1: you have a um, a, a mentor or or other mentors or, I mean, did you rely back on those that were in corporate America So who did you go to when you were going through the, you know, the, the, the first stages of it wasn't what exactly what you thought?
0: Well, you know, the, how I started it, I, you know, I was starting to get people were coming to me with business plans and just on the side, asking for help with strategy. And so I was mm-hmm. kind of doing this a little bit on the side mm-hmm. and then I kind of got to the point, well, I've got to just kind of jump out and try this. And I started out knowing that I wanted to start a business, having no idea what the business would be or anything like that. And I kind of hung a shingle. And uh-huh. I started consulting for early stage companies.
1: Interesting. And,
0: okay. you know, I, I kind of cashed out some options and so forth when I, when I left my the current job I was in. So I had kind of what I call liquid courage. Um, But I didn't have nearly enough liquid courage um, as (laughs) I found out, um, (laughs) you know, know, because the the interesting thing about early stage companies, they're passionate, they're motivated, but they don't have a lot of cash. And Mm -hmm. so you start getting paid in paper, right? You get stock, Mm -hmm. um, which is not going to come to fruition for quite some time. And so, you know, there is a long time of, you know, not getting, you know, a lot of cash in the door. And kind of to work that. And so I kind of did that for about a a year, year and a half. And in that process, people were asking me, would you become CEO of this company for me or help me start this company? And nothing felt right until one finally did. And so that's kind of when I, you know, jumped in and we started Paralytics. But even that took much longer, you know, to kind of get it up and going than, than we envisioned, which is pretty typical.
1: Yeah, we do. We hear this, I mean, from some of the, um, the leaders that we've spoken to exactly that, that, you know, don't give up, keep pushing, but however long you think it's going to take, yeah, there's a, there's a, a multiplier on that one. So it, it is about just keep pushing, 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 and, uh, and I guess, believe in yourself. So how, you know, in this journey that you've been on, when you look back at how you define success? in the beginning versus how you define success now, has that changed? And if so, in what ways?
0: Yeah, I would, I would say it's evolved. Um, I think kind of the the foundation that I started with, which was, you know, have a strong work ethic, work hard, do the best that you possibly can with your God-given abilities, regardless of what the task is. There's going to be some things you're thrown at that you don't like to do, but you still have to give hundred percent. And so that's always stayed with me. But then the, I think the piece that it's involved to is how can you help others, whether inside of work or outside of work? And then really the real evolution is looking outside of the work environment and how can you step into other areas and help people that maybe you know have no opportunity to help you or get involved with things and, and meet people that you never would have intersected with before if you hadn't stepped out to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I think kind of rounding out that picture of, what's outside of the work world because that can be all-encompassing. Uh, particularly if you're, you know, in a high-profile position in the corporate world or an entrepreneur, you know, you're working 60-70 hours a week, but I get energized a lot by helping others and then also not forgetting that, you know, you've got a family, a spouse and kids and making sure that you spend some, you know, you spend quality time there as well so you're not just kind of one-dimensional, you know, always doing one thing at work, doing it really well. But the rest of your life, you're not adding value to others or supporting those people around you.
1: Yeah, I think, again, this, sort of, this echoes successful people a lot. I mean, so this whole notion, is, as our listeners are thinking about their own lives, is I, I call it having texture, uh, people that have many layers, um, that if you are just this one-dimensional you know, workaholic, we'll call it. And you don't lift your head, look around, and the giving back part is so important. Uh, I, I mean, that's why we're doing this podcast—to uh, really give back. There's, there's no other, you know, motive other than there are some really great, experienced people like you, Kevin, who have so much to give back and help others. Um, just the way others have helped us is is really the the notion. So thank you for for that. And thank you for continuing to do that. So is there anything that when you look back on that journey, is there anything you would have done differently?
0: You know, the way I look at it is I certainly made my fair share of mistakes. You know, no one's going to do anything perfectly, but I probably wouldn't change anything just for, you know, what we just talked about, because Mm -hmm. that's how you learn. That's how you become, you know, you grow as a person. Is you know you make decisions and then you figure out okay I've got I just made this decision I've got to live with it right right and so you learn from that so I don't know that I would change anything but -hmm. when I say that it doesn't mean that I think I've done everything perfectly
1: yeah yeah no I I I understand that so that's wonderful so we're gonna pivot just a little bit here and get to know you a little bit better so our listeners get to know who you are Uh, I love to ask the question around your favorite book?
0: I keep really busy. So um, I don't read that much. Um, I would like to. That's kind of like one of those things, you know, you think about retirement with your you, you know, your feet on the beach chair and your feet in the sand, right? Um, <laughs>
1: yeah. You know, sitting
0: back reading a book. But I guess for me, it's actually probably the Bible just from the stack that, you know, regardless regards of what challenge you face in life, there seems to be somewhere in there where that, similar type challenge was, and you can mm-hmm. see how people persevered through it, what they learned from it. You know, I, I try and read a little bit each morning just to kind of ground me a bit. Nice. And even like this morning, um, in I'm in uh, first Corinthians, but it talks about how everything you, you should be doing should be building up somebody else, which is kind of what we were talking about earlier on. Yes. It's yes. not about building up yourself and becoming prideful. It's about how are you building up those around you? And so it's just kind of life lessons like that, that I get through it.
1: That's nice. I, I think um, just as a, the times that we've just been dealing with the last year, I think people are absolutely going back to the core of religion and of, you know, reading the Bible and, and looking at those, um, those types of things to say, remember, you know, we're here and, you know, what's the impact that we're going to, we can have, right? We yeah. want to have and being conscious about it. So that's really, really great. What about, um, because I know you're really busy, but what about a favorite movie?
0: You know, that's, I mean, if if you asked me to name five movies that came out since I started the company, I don't know, I'm sure I'd be able to. Yeah, I
1: understand. But
0: it's, you know, what we just did as a family or just, well, um, I only have one kid left at home that's um, on break from school with the COVID stuff. But um, we kind of went through the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit, kind of those two trilogies, Hmm. which are really long movies. and. yes. And so what we would do is, you know, take an hour or two each weekend night. And so it, it basically took us like two to three months to get through these things. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But it was really cool to see them, you know, usually they make one, you wait a year, they make, you know, and mm-hmm, you kind of but mm-hmm. watching them all kind of in succession and seeing the character development and seeing, again, the theme of struggles and perseverance in you know, doing the right thing when you might want to do something else because it's more expedient, you know, mm-hmm. it was, mm-hmm. it was, I thought it was a really good story.
1: Nice. Nice. Good suggestion for people. Favorite city.
0: Um, the one that doesn't have COVID, but, <laughs> but beyond that, I think, you know, internationally I've always liked, uh, Brussels, but I think, uh, locally, you know, just going down the beach, we like to go to sea isle city, New Jersey, mm-hmm. and it just, um, Um, I don't get a chance to relax too much. Right. And so that's kind of the time where, you know, you just get, you know, the sun in your face, you get the sand, you get the beach and you get a book or your, you know, your family and just hanging out. And I think that's what, um, I I think it's as much the company as it is the location.
1: Well, you're talking to a beach girl. So I totally get that. Yeah. Um, people know, I always talk about wearing my flip-flops all year round. So that's my happy place, no matter (laughs) what I'm doing. (laughs) Right. Um, and so favorite food.
0: Um, I'll, I'll stick with the, uh, with the, with the shore theme then. So down in Seattle, there's an ice cream place called Marita's that has homemade ice cream. And so I like, they've got a, um, they call it peanut butter ripple. So it's Mm. basically vanilla with a lot of peanut butter stuffed in it. And so I I guess I'll, I'll stick with that then.
1: Sounds good. So I wanted to just, uh, before we go into how listeners can reach you, um, any, want to share about powerlytics and what you do and you know what you've been doing in terms of developing and growing the company
0: yeah sure so we have um, a pretty unique uh, set of data which is essentially financial information of all consumers and businesses that's underpinned by anonymized tax returns and so it took a long time to build that out so we're a little bit different than a lot of you know, kind of early stage companies where they race, get a product out there and work through the bugs. Um, with ours, we wanted to make sure that it was, it was really accurate and very predictive in helping companies, both from kind of a marketing standpoint and a risk standpoint, understand their customers better and be able to make better decisions. Um, whether you're targeting someone, customer segmentation, upsell, cross-sell, or risk things, underwriting uh, a loan and insurance policy, you know, whatever that might be. And so I think when we got started out, I was thinking about this last week. I don't know 10 years ago that the industry was really ready for predictive analytics. Mm. It was a little scary. right? And you've got, um, it's always difficult for someone sitting in the corporate world, as you know, is to try something different. Yeah. If I keep doing the same thing, even if I don't improve, I'm not going to get in trouble. Right. right. And so I think we had a little bit of that in the beginning. Now I think, you know, everybody gets it and we're in a great spot. We're growing a lot. We're adding resources, mm-hmm. um, clients. And what we have found is we're really effective at having, helping companies improve their models that they have or develop models to predict behavior, whether it's a behavior of a business or a consumer in kind of a wide variety of events. And so it's really interesting stuff. And it's, um, It's amazing, you know, when working with clients, you know, we might think this is a great idea to do X. And they're talking about, well, Y is really our problem. How can you help us with Y? And then kind of working through that and seeing a whole nother dimension of how, you know, your product or your solutions can be used.
1: Wow, this is super interesting, Kevin, and I would like to dig a little bit deeper into what exactly Powerlytics is doing, because this area of data and analytics is just exploding now um, more than ever. I think people really understand the space better in how it can help them grow their businesses. Is there anyone else that's doing this today?
0: Well, you, you have a lot of companies in the, in the data space, uh, but there's really no, no one that's been able to create um, a database unique like ours that's really built off of off of tax returns. But we've been at this for 20 years. And so hmm. we've had a little bit of a head start. So we start out in academics, doing consulting work for the government, helping them with big data integration problems. and then really for the past decade, with our team of PhD economists, really uh, perfecting this and then building solutions off of it. And so we're in a pretty unique space, uh, which we're we're really excited about.
1: That sounds fantastic and and really an amazing business. So, when you think about this what you are doing, it sounds like this data is good for any sector. Is there one in particular that you're focusing?
0: Yeah, no, you are right. I mean, and that was one of our challenges when we started the company. You know, we could really use this to help anybody that wants to understand, you know, marketing perspectives or risk perspectives better in any sector, but what we really focused on is I'll, I'll call the broader financial services area, so banking, insurance and asset and wealth management, we've, we, that area is really ready to kind of take this type of data. Um, they have gaps in what they use now where it's not complete, it's not accurate. And so we've really found a nice niche working in those three sectors to help them better understand their customers, make decisions and really grow their own businesses.
1: This has been fascinating. And this area of data and analytics looks like it's really going to continue to grow and provide so much incremental value to many, many businesses. If listeners want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to engage?
0: Really, probably two ways. They can go to our website, paralytics.com, and hit the contact button. Uh, we're actually refreshing the website. So come April, we'll have a, a new one out there, which will be exciting for us. Or you can check me out at LinkedIn. Just search for Kevin Sheets. Um, I get a lot of requests on LinkedIn. So if someone puts in this uh, podcast in it as well, I'll know that's where it's coming from. And they're um, not just trying to sell me the uh, latest technology or or a gadget that we should be using in our business, but that would be great. Be happy to hear from folks.
1: Thank you. And uh, I wish you all the best in continued success with Powerlytics.
0: Great. Thanks very much for having me on.
1: Thanks for listening and have a great day.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review.
1: Also, check us out on Facebook at Intracoastal Marketing, LinkedIn at Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group, and Instagram and Twitter at It's Great Business. And visit us on the web at IntracoastalMarketingStrategy.com.